Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Michael Fields with you once again. Another Wednesday night, the Lord has blessed us to come together, and I'm excited about it. Hallelujah. The fact that we're here together, and it means that the Lord has kept us another week. What a mighty God we serve. Have a wonderful lesson in store for you on tonight. Let's let's pray first. Father, we're so grateful for all that you have done for us, how you have kept us during the week and allowed us to come together as your people, as your children. And we thank God for your word, your word that brings strength, your word that brings healing, your word that brings instruction and correction. Bless us tonight as we come together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight I'm in the book of Acts, chapter 4. And my subject tonight deals with prayer. I want to talk about a praying church. Again, my topic tonight is a praying church. Now, um, like many of you, um, I've been in church all my life. I'm a church baby. I was I was born in the church. Uh, I can remember uh, as a little baby being carried into the church, being uh, brought into the church, holding my mother's hand. Uh, you know, back in that day, you had to sit with your parents. There was no children's church. Uh, we sat next to mom and dad. And, and uh, because daddy was the pastor, um, I sat with mom. I couldn't go nowhere uh, wearing short pants to church. But I thank God for those days. And one of the things, one of the things that really sticks out in my mind is the prayer service, uh, the prayer service. My my grandmother, both of my grandmothers uh, were very strong in prayer. Uh, and the church had prayer meeting all the time. Uh, it seems like uh, different times of the week. I can remember uh, as a child bringing my homework to church uh, and the saints were praying. Uh, and I remember uh, and it, it never left my mind. I, I was a youngster and my dad then, we were on 225th Street in the Bronx, a little storefront church. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was so small, as soon as you walk into the church, you're almost in the pulpit. Uh, but I remember this night I had an ear ache. I had an ear infection uh, and uh, I'm in church with my parents. I was a little boy then, had to be about I'd say about seven, eight years old, and uh, I had an earache, uh, and it was, I mean, it was hurting me so bad until I'm in tears. I'm crying, and my mother just laid my head in her lap, and my father came over to me. He got up from his knees uh, and came over to me and took some anointed oil and poured a little bit of it in my ear. Uh, and the next thing I knew, I was asleep. I uh, didn't have no more pain. Uh, and when I opened my eyes, I was laying in my bed. They had brought me home uh, after the prayer. Uh, they didn't miss a beat, but I know uh, that it was God. I had sense enough to know within myself that the Lord healed my ear. And I said all of that uh, just to illustrate the power of prayer. Uh, Church was in prayer uh, and they didn't miss a beat and I got healing that night. Uh, and I want to talk about a, a praying church.
church. Uh, and it's important that we talk about prayer. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, and I'm going to begin the lesson like this, because uh, many of us, uh, for some reason, you know, we can spend a whole lot of time talking about what's wrong with the church and why isn't this happening in the church. Uh, but there's really only one problem, one problem in the church these days. Um, and, and, and hear me out because um, I know we can sit here and talk about uh, securing uh, better attendance in church, perhaps uh, securing better spiritual results in church, uh, finding the right leaders for our auxiliaries, this, that, and the other, and, we, and um, developing proper activities for our church uh, finances. We can talk about developing more finance in the church, um, but there's really only one problem, and that is uh, the prayer life of the church. I believe, and I'm going to teach tonight, uh, that if we did something about the prayer life of the church, all of the other things that I mentioned, and there are many more, um, all of the other things would fall in line. We would have direction. There would be, hallelujah, better influx of God's spirit. A whole lot of things that we complain about as being problems and issues uh, would be taken care of if the prayer life of the church was much better. Um, so you can write it down. The real problem of the church is the prayer life of the church. Uh, and if we solve that, we'll solve every problem. Every other problem in the church would be prayer. So uh, would be taken care of, I should say. So let's say this, the prayer life of the church uh, is the very life of the church. No prayer. Remember, you've heard this and you thought it was a cliche, but it's the truth. No prayer, no power. A little prayer, a little bit of power. Much prayer, much power. And that's true. Um, I have in my notes, it is the life of the church. It is the life even of the individual members. Uh, we shouldn't just pray when we're in church, but you should pray even in your homes, wherever you are. You should have, we should have a much stronger prayer life. Yeah. Uh, we should pray more than we watch TV. We should pray more than we talk on the telephone. Uh, and for you millennials and uh we should pray more than we play video games. We should have a prayer life because prayer is the life of the church. It is the life of the individual. How can we stay connected if we don't have a prayer life? So uh, it is the life even of our worship. Uh, how can you be a worship leader if you don't have a prayer life? How can I be a preacher of the gospel? If I don't have a prayer life, you shouldn't even be an usher in God's house if you don't have a prayer life. How can we be a deacon if you don't have a prayer life? So it is the life. And let's go into the book of Acts. I want to read uh, Acts out of chapter four, the book of Acts, chapter four. And I'm going to read for you verses 23 through 
um, 35. Um, okay. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they all had things all common. Let me read that again. But they had all things, I'm sorry, common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and bought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had Need Now, let me quickly uh, go back and describe what led to this. Uh, we have to go back to the previous chapter where it talks about a lame man that was healed. Um, the power of God was was manifesting among the people of God. The gospel was being spread. The book of Acts talks about that, how the church was growing, but it was growing in the midst of persecution. There were problems. There were issues. Uh, trials, a whole lot of things were coming against the church. And it was coming against the church because the enemy was mad concerning the souls that were being saved, the lives that were being changed, bodies were being healed. And it was disturbing, hallelujah, I should say, it was disturbing the peace of those that were used to doing things the way they were doing it, their own way, uh, religion without salvation church without any kind of change. And now um, the Holy Ghost, there's a new church now. Jesus has started this new church and it's growing and it's growing in the midst of persecution. As a matter of fact, it would seem like the more the church was fought, the stronger it became, the more it grew. The Holy Ghost is falling. And listen, it's because they remain consistent in their faith, in their fellowship and in prayer. They didn't stop praying. They didn't stop praying. I'm going to say it one more time. They didn't stop praying. Now, uh, 
this man is healed. This lame man is healed. He's been delivered and people are all up in the tizzy. They're upset, especially the Sadducees and the Pharisees. I'm sorry. They're upset. They're angry now uh, because their whole ritualistic way of doing things is being uh, disturbed and they're questioning uh, the men of God. What kind of authority are you working under? Who gave you permission to do this? And they answered, uh, the same Jesus that you rejected. He has become the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. The one you crucified, the one you thought you got rid of. He has risen from the dead and he's given us the power and the authority. It's not by works of my own. I'm not a magician. I didn't just pull this out of the hat. This is the power of the church. And in the midst of all of this, they're being persecuted. And their response to the persecution was prayer, was continuing. Don't let anything stop you. I'm going to continue to do this work. Now we can properly go into the actual lesson. Hallelujah. Because in the midst of the problem, they were praying in the midst of the problem. They continued, be steadfast, unmovable. Remember that? This is what Paul taught to the Corinthians. Uh, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain. Pray without ceasing. Hallelujah. This is what they were taught. Continue on, continue on. So, they had become a praying church, a praying church. Yes, they sang. Yes, hallelujah. They would come together and have camp meeting. Yes, there was speaking in tongues. Yes, uh, there were all of those things, but they did not neglect the area of prayer. So now you know the situation uh, leading up to this text. Uh, and because of this, uh, the enemy got even madder and he's coming against the leadership of the church. Uh, he's coming against the pastors and uh, doing all that they can to stop the progress of the church. Uh, anytime a church decides that they want to really fulfill the will of God, the enemy is going to fight them. Anytime an individual decides that they want to please God and do the work that God has given them to do, the enemy is going to fight you. This is why we need a praying church. And the church, hallelujah, has enough problems on the outside. We have enough attacks on the outside against us. We don't need to be divided uh, in any area. We don't need to be fighting one another. We need to be able to always come together and pray, always, because the Bible says we ought to pray always. So let's talk about a praying church. Let's talk about a praying church. Uh, Peter and John, this is where we are in the text. Peter and John had been imprisoned thrown in jail. And why were they thrown in jail? They were thrown in jail because they would not stop preaching and teaching the word of God. They were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, signs and wonders. People were being healed. And they were talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
That's what the gospel is about. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. And it angered the city magistrates and they had them thrown in jail. As soon as they were released from the prison, they joined the other saints in Jerusalem. As soon as they got out of jail, they weren't, they weren't able to hold them. They told them, don't preach this no more. Don't lay hands on people no more. Don't talk about the miracles of Christ. Don't perform any more miracles. Don't preach no more gospel. But as soon as they let them out, they went right back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They went straight to Jerusalem uh, and told the saints what happened. Listen, they're throwing us in jail now. Hallelujah. They're, they're, they're abusing us. They're, they're really coming against us because we're preaching the gospel. This is what happens. And I'll take you to Acts 4 uh, and 23. Acts 4 and 23, uh, it says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. You read all the way through verse 35. They went right into prayer. Oh, uh, we're under attack again. And they went right into prayer. So this is what happens when the saints got the report. When you get the report, hallelujah, the first thing you should do is pray, not complain, not fuss, uh, not gossip. Uh, the first thing you do when you get the report that's a word for somebody. The first thing you do when you get the report, don't get on the phone and say, child, did you hear what? No, the first thing you should do is pray. Uh, they didn't hold a conference. No, they didn't do that. They didn't go into a, all this, that, and the other. They immediately prayed. Yes, verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voice to who? To God. They lifted up their voice. I think there'd be a whole lot of gossip eliminated if when we got reports, we start praying first. Talk less and pray more. That's a word for somebody. Shut your mouth and stop talking so much and go somewhere and pray. The first thing you should do is pray. And when they heard that, Hallelujah. They lifted up their voice to God. They prayed. They recognized that prayer was the fundamental thing. That's how the church was taught. Prayer is the fundamental thing. I'm going to pray before I do anything. Before I react on what you just told me, I'm going to pray. Hallelujah. And everybody felt the same way about it. They were all taught the same thing. Pray, pray, pray without ceasing. Pray and not faint. Pray and not get angry. Don't be so quick to, to fly off the handle. Pray. Talk to God. Have a little talk with Jesus. Hallelujah. They recognize, and I have in my notes, it's really important that we as people of God recognize that prayer, hallelujah, is, is of supreme importance. I've got to pray every day. 
Hallelujah. I've got to pray about my finance. I've got to pray for my family. I've got to pray about the condition in my body. I've got to pray. Not only should I pray, but I should have a desire. We all should have a desire to talk to the Lord. Who doesn't want to talk to God? Who doesn't want to get in his presence? Who doesn't want to have a conversation with God? You should have, and listen, I'm going to use the word spontaneous. You, by now, and I should say we, by now, should have developed a spontaneous reaction to our circumstances, a spontaneous desire to pray. Hallelujah. Songwriter said it like this. In seasons of despair and grief, my soul has often found relief. Sweet hour of prayer. So um, the first thing about a praying church is a praying church will recognize the importance of prayer. A praying church will recognize the importance of prayer. Say it with me. Prayer is very important. Now, uh, the second thing about a praying church, and I'll take you back to Acts 4 and 24. The second thing about a praying church is that uh, in a praying church, our faith looks towards to the Lord. Uh, There's an old song now uh, that we used to sing when I was a little boy. Uh, My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary. Uh, when we're a praying church, our faith looks towards the Lord, hallelujah, towards the Lord. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God, hallelujah. They turned their eyes away from man, turned their eyes away from people, and they turned their eyes, their attention, their faith was turned to God. Hallelujah. They turned their eyes away from man, from the problems at hand, and they turned to the Lord. Why? Because he can solve every problem, every dilemma. He can solve it. Hallelujah. And who is in control? Jesus is. Jesus is in control. Hallelujah. And we have to believe that. We have to believe that Jesus is in control. This is what David says in Psalm 62. And verse five, he says, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. So let me encourage you tonight, uh, church, people of God, whatever problem faces us, hallelujah, it is God that matters. Hallelujah. He's the supreme one. No matter what the problem is, he's greater than the problem. Hallelujah. And my expectation is of him. Lord, I'm in this. Lord, we're dealing with this. But my expectation, in other words, I know my father's going to help me in this situation. Hallelujah. So uh, my first response should not be to call a meeting. Hallelujah. My first response should not be to tell anybody off. Uh, My first response should not be Uh, you know, to get even. I'm going to get even. But my first response to the situation is to talk with my God, to pray. Uh, Whatever problem faces us, it's God uh, who's going to be able to help us through this situation. 
Everything else, I'm going to say this and it may, some people, some of you may get upset. I'm going to say this. Everything else is secondary. A problem is secondary to Christ. And I know I hear you. What are you talking about? I've got the issues with my finance. I've got issues with this. I've got, and you're telling me that it's secondary. Yes, it's secondary because Christ is all. Listen, if we really believe as a church, as a people of God, if we really believe in what we've been singing about and preaching about and teaching about, then all these other things, listen, this scripture just popped in my mind. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And prayer is a part of seeking the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom. I serve this king and we're having these issues. And my first response should be to go to my father, go to the king, go to God in prayer. Hallelujah. Whatever the problem is, uh, whatever the problem is, my first response should be to pray. These are always secondary. Financial issue is secondary. Sickness in my body is secondary compared to what my first response should be. I'm going to go to God in prayer. Why? Uh, number one, it's because he's he's a sovereign God. Uh, Acts 4 and 24. I'm going to take you right back there. Hallelujah. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God on one accord. And this is what they said. Lord, thou art God, you're the boss. You hear me say it all the time, almost every Sunday. Uh, I give God all of the glory and praise because he is the boss. He's a sovereign God. I'm going to take you down to verse 28 for the do. And because he's sovereign, he can do whatever he wants to do. Yes. When you're the boss, you can handle it any old kind of way. You can do it. And when it's done, it's done. This is what Luke writes in, in uh, verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. He already knows what he's going to do. This is why we should go to him. He already knows how he's going to handle the situation. He's a sovereign God. He's the boss. Hallelujah. He's sovereign. God is the all powerful creator. They said it in the in the text. You are the all powerful creator and sustainer. Hallelujah. You know the end from the beginning. You are the Alpha and the Omega. He said, I am, hallelujah, the Alpha and the Omega, the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm the boss. That sounds to me like he's in control and we need to talk to him. Not only this, but he's the self-revealing Lord. He's sovereign and he's self-revealing. Hallelujah. I'm going to take you back to Acts again, verse 26 through 27. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. This is what the church was going through then. And you better believe this is what we're going through now. And this is why I am emphatically saying we don't have time to be divided against one another because we have to be able to pray as a church. I don't have time. We don't have time for anything else. 
Hallelujah. Because we have to be able to come together as a church and whatever we bind here will be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose here can be loosed in heaven. So he's self-revealing. I'm going to read it. Kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. These scriptures tell us that he was spoken not only through the prophets and his word, hallelujah, but primarily through his son. Uh, through Jesus. This is why the enemy tried to stop Jesus because the word of God was going forth in manifest form. He was the fulfillment of prophecy. The devil got mad. You and I are the fulfillment of prophecy. Hallelujah. That's another lesson, but I felt that in my big toe. Hallelujah. But even through Christ, I'm going to take you to Hebrews chapter one, verses one and to God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So, hallelujah, he is sovereign. This is why I pray to him. He's self-revealing because he has proven who he is. He is the Christ. He is my savior. Hallelujah. He is my deliverer. And he is the seeing Lord. He sees everything. Acts, I'm going to take you back to our foundation chapter, Acts 4 and 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. You see what they're doing. You see how they're fighting us. You see the pressure that's going on. Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. I'm going to come back to that scripture. There's a reason why it ends that way. Hallelujah. But understand that God sees everything. Uh, he sees all and he waits. He's waiting to intervene. He's waiting to step in to the situation and to accomplish his will, hallelujah, in answering our prayers, hallelujah. So we, when we pray, we have to pray according to his will. Don't pray all willy-nilly and be selfish in your prayer, but pray his will, Lord, and bring his word back to him. Lord, I know you can do it because you said in your word that you would heal our sicknesses and diseases. Hallelujah. Bring his word back to him and he will fulfill his purpose. Hallelujah. And he will help us in the midst of whatever we are experiencing. In a praying church, let's go forward. In a praying church, uh, there is obedience to his commission. If we're a praying church, then we will continue to be obedient to his commission, even in the midst of this coronavirus. Even in the midst of all of the upheaval and all of the things that are, that's going on, a praying church will continue to do whatever they've been called to do, no matter what. And we see this in the book of Acts. There was persecution. People were losing their lives. People were being thrown in jail, but they continued. Hallelujah. And I need to tell somebody before I continue, don't let anything stop you. 
Don't let anything, anything hinder you. And people of God, church of God, do not use what's happening around this world as an excuse to stop or discontinue what God has put in you. Find a way to get it done. Find a way to get it done. And whatever you do, don't leave out prayer. As a matter of fact, before you move, pray first. Before you move, pray first. So a praying church is obedient. It will continue to be obedient to the Great Commission. I'm going to take you back to Acts 4 and 29. I'm going to take you right back and I'm going to read that verse again. And let's concentrate on the final clause. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word. In other words, Lord, we don't want what's going on. We don't want the fact that the enemy is fighting the church and fighting us, hallelujah, to hinder the progress of the ministry. We don't want this to be an excuse, hallelujah. We want to continue the work. So the more he fights us, help us, O oh God, to proclaim your word even louder. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel this in my spirit. He's saying, help us that with all boldness, we'll speak thy word. They want us to stop, but give us more boldness to speak your word. They want us to stop praising you, but give us more boldness to praise you even louder, to love you even more. Can't stop. Can't stop. Can't stop. I hear that in my spirit. Can't stop. Don't stop. Won't stop. Hallelujah. Never stop. I want to continue doing that work. This is what they're praying. It's in their prayer. Lord, the devil's trying to stop us, but give us more boldness that will continue the work. What is the commission? What was the commission? What was the commission? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And the devil's trying to stop. I don't want you to teach. Hallelujah. The devil's trying to stop listening to this coronavirus. I've, I've noticed something. And, and there were some there were some ministries that totally shut down. Uh, and this is not an indictment against them. Just an example. There were some who shut down. Uh, but it was my determination in many other pastors. I'm going to find a way uh, to continue the work, continue preaching and teaching. And thank God. Uh, because of social media, we were able to continue to preach and teach. Uh, and there were some who uh, we couldn't visit in the hospital. So we were able to to pray via Zoom and, uh, and other avenues uh, over that person that was sick because they wouldn't let us in the hospital. And I'm so glad. And I, I realized that I've been teaching to more people uh, than I would normally have taught. Uh, in, in Bible study. There might have been 50 the most, I think, was the most we ever had. But now I'm looking, there are hundreds. When's the last time, I said, Fields, when's the last time you had over 100 some odd people uh, in your Bible study? And I'm preaching on Sunday mornings. And I said, Fields, when's the last time you preached to so many people? This The church can't hold the numbers that I'm seeing. Uh, and this was their attitude. I don't want this persecution to hinder what you have called us to do. And this is in their prayer and it should be in our prayer. 
Lord, don't let this sickness keep me from doing your will. I don't want this problem with finance, hallelujah, to keep me from doing what you put in me to do. The cattle on a thousand hill, you're bringing his word back. Cattle on a thousand hill belongs to you, Lord. All the gold and silver belongs to you, Lord. Hallelujah. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Now, if it all belongs to him and I'm his child, you better believe in my prayer. I'm going to bring it back to him. And this is how the church needs to pray. We need to stop making excuses. Hallelujah. And be that praying church, that praying church. They were commissioned, going to all, hallelujah, nations and teach, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, hallelujah, here's the clincher. You can do this because I'm with you. I'm with you. And when we pray, we ought to pray like he's with us. Don't pray to God like he's a stranger. Don't talk to God like you don't know who he is and he don't know. No, talk to God like you're his child. Hallelujah. Talk to him like you belong to him and he belongs to you. Claim it. Hallelujah. Claim him. Own him. Father, I love you. Father, I need you. This is how we should be praying. Uh, So in a praying church, the overwhelming desire. Hallelujah. The overwhelming desire of the membership of every born again believer that's connected to this ministry, hallelujah, should be uh, to fulfill his will. I, I want to be useful, Lord. I want to accomplish the mission. I want to be uh, what I'm supposed to be in your sight, not just as an individual, but we want to be the church that God is looking for in these last and evil days. The next thing I want to talk about concerning a praying church. Um, In a praying church, in a praying church, there is faith to demand miracles. Faith that demands miracles. Faith. Uh, So when the importance of prayer is realized, when the importance of prayer is realized, Uh, And prayer is really put into operation. I mean, serious prayer is put into operation. Uh, Supernatural things can begin to happen when the church comes together, when we can lay down our differences, when we can remember, because in the scripture, when they were all in one place on one accord, one, one accord, there were no big eyes and little U's, but they came together as a family and they prayed Uh, God breaks in with his supernatural acts when we come together. One mind, one faith, one accord. Uh, Listen, and you may not receive this, but I'm teaching this. I'm in the word of God. Signs, miracles, signs and wonders. I'm going to take you back to the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter four, verse 30. This is what they were praying by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders, hallelujah, may be done. How? In the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're praying, Lord, and this is this is what we're expecting because we're doing what you told us to do. 
You told us to come together and pray that our first responder to problems and persecution as a church should be to pray. And because of this, we know that we'll have miracles, signs, and wonders will be done in the name of Jesus. Mind you, Peter and John were thrown in jail because of a miracle that had taken place. And when they got out of jail, they went right back into prayer. They went right back into trusting and believing God in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Hallelujah. Listen, they prayed that God would perform miracles. Lord, we need miracles. Lord, we need a miracle. Lord, we need a miracle. And we have to come together as a church, as a people of God and pray, Lord, I want my children saved. Hallelujah. We need to come together. Listen, come together as a church, touching and agreeing in prayer. Hallelujah. Now, there are some people who are being taught that miracles and wonders, you know, don't happen anymore. That the canon of scripture uh, has been closed. And because of this, uh, what we see in the Bible uh is not going to happen today, but I, I, I read in the same Bible that you say has been closed uh, canalytically as, as meaning that nothing more, no more books can be added and uh, there are no more miracles. They use that as an excuse, uh, but I read in that same Bible that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Uh, he says, I'm the Lord thy God that healeth thee. And this Bible tells me to pray. And when we pray, we should pray as though we've already received what we're asking for. I'm in the gospel of Mark now, and ye shall have them. If I'm in uh, you, he says, and you are in me, then you can ask of the father anything. That's his word. Uh, so don't give me the word and then tell me that I shouldn't believe in the word. The word Hallelujah, cannot return unto God void. It must accomplish what it sets out to do. And I believe every word of God. Hallelujah. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Hallelujah. Listen, Acts 4 and 30. I'm going to read it again. By stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child, Jesus. Hallelujah. They prayed, Lord, we need some miracles. We need you to perform miracles in our lives. Hallelujah. And I know people are saying, like I forestated, that uh, it doesn't happen anymore. Uh, but we shouldn't expect that to happen. But that's not true. Hallelujah. When the church really prays, miracles will take place. I'm here to tell you when the church really prays, miracles will take place. Not only will miracles happen, but souls will be saved. Yes, praying church makes it conducive for birth, spiritual births. Hallelujah. All kinds of miracles can happen. And the miracle of salvation. Yes, salvation is a miracle in itself. You better believe that for God to save somebody like me, it's a miracle. Grace and mercy to me are miracles. Uh, and we need a praying church, church that's not afraid to come together in the midst of a pandemic.
Uh, and I know uh, even uh, in the midst of social distancing and the fact that we're shut in our homes, but even in our homes, every child of God should have a desire, a mind not to worry but to pray. We should be praying together. Even though we're in our homes, we can still be on one accord and be a praying church. Hallelujah. I have in my notes when the church prays, yes, miracles take place uh, in the spiritual realm and souls are saved. Even people who are desperate, hallelujah, and destitute start getting delivered. That, that man in the previous chapter uh, he was lame. He was outside of the sanctuary. He was all messed up. Everybody knew he was he was messed up and nobody expected his life to be any better than it was. But he ran into Peter and John. Hallelujah. I should say Peter and John ran into them and he's begging for money. And they said, uh, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. What did they give? They gave him Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, the man leaped up and he was healed, followed them in the church, hallelujah, leaping and uh, talking about I'm healed. And people got upset. Could you imagine? Uh, listen, when the church starts doing what it's supposed to do, you better believe people are going to be upset. And some of those people that are going to be upset are already inside. They're going to be angry about the testimonies they hear people that are delivered, but that's what the church does. Who wants to come to church messed up and leave messed up? No, when I come uh, to the church, and when I say church now, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about when they run into people like you and I, when they run into the church, we are the church, they should never walk away different. Why? Because the church is a praying, believing church. And when uh, the church becomes the church or functions like the church, there are miracles, signs, and wonders. I hope I'm helping somebody today. I hope you're receiving this. Hallelujah. Praying church uh, brings about uh, people who are converted uh, in the physical realm. Also, uh, God is healing and delivering uh, miracles taking place. Uh, because back here, the people who were sick with the palsy were being delivered from the palsy. No matter what the sickness was, that's because of the power a praying church has. That prayer keeps us connected. Hallelujah. Prayer keeps us connected. Listen, um, in a praying church, the Holy Ghost manifests itself uh, and power is manifested Listen, um, prayer, uh, and, and, and this is what we teach. This is what apostolics teach. So forgive me, uh, but prayer is the secret of every, and I'm going to say it like this, it is the secret of every Pentecostal outpouring. Uh, because we read, we're in the book of Acts, and we read about how the Holy Ghost had fallen, um, the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Remember, that's chapter two on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come again, they were in one place. And how important is this? They were on one accord. They were in one place in one accord uh, and the Holy Ghost fell. Yes. 
came upon each and every one of them. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, Clouds of fire fell upon them head, their heads, right? Uh, and they started speaking in tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. That was Pentecost. Uh, but notice we're now in chapter four. Uh, it's after the day of Pentecost and people are still receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, so that's this is my argument against those who said the Holy Ghost don't come like that no more. People don't speak in tongues no more. That was for that was just for the day of Pentecost. No, because chapter four brings me after the day of Pentecost and over 5000 people were brought into the church. Notice we're not considering what happened on the day of Pentecost. Uh, this is happening after Pentecost and it can keep happening day and day and day and day over. He said, the promise is not unto you, not just unto you, but unto your children and to generations after you. That's me and you. I'm so glad he didn't cut it off. I'm so glad there was no cutoff time. Hallelujah. This is why I have the Holy Ghost today. This is why I have the Holy Ghost today. This is happening after Pentecost and it can continue to happen. And I know there'll be, there will never be an original day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. But then listen to what I'm going to say. Uh, there won't be one again dispensationally. I'll say it. There won't be another Pentecost dispensationally. But there will be and there always is another Pentecost experimentally. Listen to what I'm saying. Never be another one dispensationally. But there will always be one and one again experimentally. I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, this is after Pentecost, the place was shaken where they were assembled. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. I'm going to read it again. When did it happen? And when they, the whole church was in prayer, they were praying. One mind. Yes. One mind. One mind. They were not divided. They were praying. We need these miracles. We need more boldness. The enemy is coming up against us. We don't have time to be divided. We don't have time to be hateful and mean. Lord, we don't have time to be caught up in our flesh. They prayed together. And when they prayed, the place was shaken. Hallelujah. They were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. Now, listen, when I use the word experimentally, uh, I don't mean it as some kind of scientific experiment. I don't mean it that way. And I know when I said experimentally, some of you might say, why did he use that word? Uh, but this is why I use that word. It, it, it's a result of experience. You can always have that Pentecostal experience. If, uh, I heard a sermon once preached by a uh, preacher friend of mine, Bishop J.K. Jefferson. He preached when I was a little boy. If you do what they did, you'll get what they got. Hallelujah. If you do what they did, you'll get what you got, what they got. So 
I mean it as an experience. Uh, and this is what I have in my notes, an experience as opposed to authority or conjecture. Uh, conjecture, meaning uh, it's much more than an opinion or a conclusion that's based on incomplete information. That's what conjecture is. So people that want us to believe that, uh, okay, the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues was for then and not for now uh, is not true. That's conjecture. You don't have you don't have proper information. All you got to do is talk to somebody that got the Holy Ghost that has been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And they'll tell you, you don't know what you're talking about. He's still saving people. Hallelujah. And listen, he's still saving. He's still healing. He's still delivering. And the church should still be praying. Don't stop praying for the Lord is nigh. Don't stop praying. He'll hear your cry. But what the Lord has promised, that will he do. Don't stop praying. He'll answer you. Uh, to whom does God experimentally reveal the eternal purpose of his grace? Hallelujah. That's a powerful question. To whom does God experimentally reveal the eternal purpose of his grace? And the answer is to a church that prays. To a praying church, he will reveal, he will reveal, he will give us that experience with him. Hallelujah. He will let us feel his power. He will let us flow in his power. He will allow us to operate in his power. Hallelujah. The manifestation of healings and deliverances, signs and wonders, hallelujah, will be amongst his people because we refuse to stop being a praying church. And our response our first response to whatever's going on is going to be to come together and pray. Pray is the first thing on the list. Hallelujah. We are a praying church. The next thing I want to move into is the fact that um, in us being a praying church, there, uh, there is a mighty gospel that's being preached in a church that prays. Listen, a praying church, when when you have a praying church, can no foolishness come across the pulpit. As a matter of fact, in a praying church, it's very hard for anybody to step in that pulpit and just blurt out anything. Not not in the praying church. No, not, not in the praying church. I'm going to read some scripture. I'm back in Acts chapter 4, verses 31. I'll read 31 and then I'll go to 33. When they had prayed, the place was shaken, of course, where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. Now, verse 33, I'm going to take you down there. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. This always happens in the praying church where people are stricken down with uh, the power of the word. Uh, so it's not in a negative sense when I say stricken down, but they are overpowered with the uh, power of God's word. Uh, and people get saved. People get delivered. In every case with, where great things have been accomplished through gospel preaching, it's always and only been an answer to the prayers of God's people. 
example, we're praying as a church, Lord, send your word. Even when the preacher's preaching on Sunday morning, you ought to be accepting. And while you're accepting the word, you should be praying, Lord, feed me, feed me. Lord, feed me, feed me. Bless the house. Heal somebody through the word. Hallelujah. That's our prayer. Hallelujah. So it's very difficult for nonsense to come across the pulpit if the church is praying, Lord, feed me. And God don't feed no junk. He doesn't give uh, junk food. Pray. So it won't matter who's up there, whether you like him or not. He's got to preach to me because this is a praying church and I've been praying. We've been praying for a word. We've been praying for miracles. Hallelujah. I felt that again. Uh, convictions and conversions will follow the preached word. So we ought to be praying, Lord, when the word is going forth, let someone's heart be pierced. Let someone say yes to your will, yes to your way. Let somebody go down in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The word is always being backed up by a praying pew. Hallelujah. The church is calling God's name and praying to the Lord. So let's talk about this further because in a praying church, uh, there is much grace in the lives of God's people. And that know, I know um, some of you may say, well, what are you talking about now in a praying church? In the praying church, a praying church allows the grace of God to be poured out even more and more. Uh, and I know when we talk about grace, and I'll, I'll read out of Acts verse 4 and 33, and, I, and I've read it before, but I want to read it again. And with great power gave the apostles witness, apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So uh, with great power, hallelujah, which means with great power, they started preaching even more and more and more. They didn't stop. They didn't stop. They kept on, Lord, uh, people are hating on us and society is bearing down on us, but give us more boldness to go even further and continue preaching the word. Uh, so because of the prayer, uh, the leadership is given even more power uh, to witness and to tell people about the death, burial and resurrection. And this is the message that got Peter and John in trouble in the first place and thrown in jail. But we're not going to stop. We're going to pray to God and we're going to keep on doing what God told us to do. And it says, and great grace. I want to sit there for a while. And great grace was upon them all. So first we have to talk about the biblical meaning of grace. And I know uh, right off the cuff, you'll say, well, grace is the unmerited favor of God. That's true. That's what grace, grace is the unmerited favor of God. But I want to take you a little deeper into what grace is all about. Grace is, grace is deep. Great. When I say grace is deep, listen, uh, I want to I deal more with the biblical standing on what grace is, the biblical definition of grace. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. Grace is the help. Grace is the help or strength that is given through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The atonement of Jesus Christ. It is the strength that is given to me. I'm going to say it slow. It is the strength or the help that is given to me through the atonement 
atonement, the reconciliation of God between me and God, because I don't I don't deserve to be doing anything that I'm doing in the kingdom. I don't deserve anything that God has given me. But because of Christ, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ because of Christ. We who are sometimes afar off from God have been brought nigh because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So uh, because of that reconciliation, because I have been brought into the kingdom, because I have been grafted into the body, we have been reconciled. Uh, Grace then is a gift. Grace is a gift that has been given to me through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That strength, that power, that that help that I need. Hallelujah. That help that I needed to get saved, the help that I need to stay saved and the help that I need to perform anything that Christ has put in me to do. Grace. And I want to deal with it. Hallelujah. It is because of his grace that we have this anointing. Hallelujah, because we don't deserve this anointing. Who am I? What is man? One writer said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Who am I? Hallelujah. Who am I? Who am I? Um, one, One songwriter put it in his song. He said, why would God save such a worm as I? Hallelujah. So it was at the cross where I first saw the light. I'm getting old school on you. And hallelujah, the burdens of my soul were rolled away. Hallelujah. It was first by faith. uh, And I forgot the words that quick. Some of y'all can help me type it up on the screen. I told you it was old school and I forgot some of it. Uh, But we don't deserve any of it. Uh, But the word grace is used in the scriptures many times. And it's used primarily Uh, to let us know that we have this enabling power. We have a spiritual healing. Hallelujah. We have a spiritual healing now because my my spirit, my soul was broken. Uh, But because he has given me this salvation, he has brought me in and he has made me a part of his church. Hallelujah. I have this healing through the mercy and love of Christ. I am able to do what I'm doing. Hallelujah. And this is why Paul said, because of this, he has counted me worthy to bring me into this ministry. Uh, Now he has counted us worthy. He has brought us in and we have a work to do. And part of the work of the church is to stay and remain a prayerful church. So here in our lesson, I'm going to bring you back to Acts chapter four. This is our foundational scripture. And believe it or not, I'm almost through. I'm going to try not to be as long as I was in the past, but it gets good. It really gets good. I love God's word. Here in our lesson in Acts 4 and 33, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, great grace. Remember that term, great grace was upon them all. Much grace. The operative words are great grace or much grace. This grace means Christ-likeness, hallelujah, and it is seen in four ways, so, uh, and great Christ-likeness was upon them all, that's powerful, 
That is so powerful. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great Christlikeness was upon them all. So uh, let's go back into the word. Uh, verse 32. Let's go to verse 32 of, of uh, Acts chapter 4. Verse 32. Right? Great. And when they had prayed, I'm in 31 now, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. So they were given now, and I'll take you to verse 32. They are given this grace. There was a grace of unity. God gives us a grace of unity, a grace of unity. And, and listen, when and I'm teaching this and I'm listening in my spirit at the same time, there's really no excuse for the church to be divided. There's no excuse for people mumbling against each other because God gives us grace for unity. We can be unified. We can be unified. The devil is a liar. We can be unified. They came together. They, they saw a need. Listen, we don't have time to fight each other. We got too many devils to fight. We need to come together. So he gave them grace. There was grace of unity. Verse 32, and the multitude of them that believed. Listen to this. The multitude of them was a whole lot of them. The multitude of them that believed. Listen, they were one heart. They were of one heart and of one soul, of one heart and of one soul. God was giving them a grace for unity, a grace for unity. We have all this pressure. The saints of God are going through and we need grace for unity. We need to get beyond our differences, get beyond our likes and dislikes. And when you read the book of Acts, there were problems. Yes. The Greek women were not being served like the Jewish women. There, there was a lot of uh, stuff going on. And they had to get pulled together. We don't have time for this foolishness. So get seven men full of the Holy Ghost. They, they came together and prayed first. The Holy Ghost spoke to them and said, this is the answer to your problem. Get some men full of the Holy Ghost and call them deacons. So when the reason why we should pray first is so we can get proper instruction on how to handle the situation. We have problems because people want to do things their way. They don't want to pray first. You don't know more than God. We don't know more than the Holy Ghost. This is why we got to be a praying church. They had grace. There was grace of unity. The grace of unity. I'll read it again. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Mm -hmm. The second thing is grace for unity. And there was the grace of renunciation. Write it down. The grace of renunciation, because not only was there grace for unity, they were one heart of one soul. Neither. Here's the grace of renunciation. Neither said any of them that ought of things which he possessed was his own. That's powerful. Also, they renounce themselves. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about so much of what I need. Lord, hallelujah, give us grace of renunciation, not to be so selfish, 
not to think so much of ourselves, not to say me, 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 hallelujah, but to see the big picture and pray the whole church needs a miracle. We all need a blessing. Hallelujah. So the grace of unity, the grace of renunciation, I'm in, and this is in verse 32, and the grace of fellowship. Hallelujah. The grace of fellowship. But they had all things common. And I love this part. They had all things common. So, yes, we have different areas of work in the ministry. Yes, there are elders and preachers and and ushers and and those that we call lay members. But they had all things common. All things. This is why they were able to fellowship. I esteem my brother more highly than myself. The same blood that washed your sins washed mine away. And we all have needs. We all have desires. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all have weaknesses. They had all things in common and they didn't focus on their differences. They focused on the fact that they all had a savior. They all would pray to the same God. And God would meet all of our needs. Hallelujah. So much so until anything God blesses me with, you can have. Anything God blesses you with, you're saying the same thing. Brother, you can have some of this. You can have it. And they shared. They loved. They loved without dissimulation. So there was a grace of unity. There was a grace of renunciation. This is all in one verse. And there was the grace of fellowship. They had all things common. And then there was a grace for generosity. Hallelujah. They didn't have time for that mean saint syndrome. <laughs> I just made that up. Thank you, Lord. They didn't have time for the mean saint syndrome. They didn't have time for that. And in, in uh, verses 34 and 35, listen, neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses, they, they sold their house and bought the prices of the things that were sold. So they bought the house. This, this is beyond paying tithes. And I know I would have an issue if I said, okay, sell your house and bring all the money to the church. So, you know, but this is how much they were into this and loving the ministry. Uh, so don't go tell nobody that feels told you to sell your house and bring the money. I'm not talking about that, but this is this is how into it they were. There was a grace of generosity. They came and lay them down at the apostles feet and distribution, distribution, distri distribution. So they didn't bring it to the church and it and it was just for the preacher. Only the preacher has a nice car. Only the preacher has a ni nice house. No, it was done that way. Because, and it was thought that if I have, you have too, everybody's going to be blessed. And listen to this. So there was grace for generosity and laid down at the apostles' feet for the purpose of distribution, not hoarding, not stealing, but distribution was made, listen, unto every man according as he had need. So, they were able to come to the church and get what they needed because every part of the church, every member of the church was generous. They gave and they didn't give grudgingly, no out of necessity, but they did this. Why? 
because they had become a praying church. And because they were a praying church, they didn't have financial problems. They were able to pay their bills and help others pay they, their bills. Because they were a praying church, they were miracles, signs, and wonders. So I could sum it up this way, because they were a praying church, there was wholeness. It was a holistic ministry. People were getting saved. People were being blessed, hallelujah, with food. Uh, there was a way because they prayed to Christ. They had this connection. And even in the midst of persecution, the ministry was still able to move forward. Hallelujah. So these are the marks of a praying church. Um, and I, I have in my notes, but a church is constituted of men and women. And a praying church, therefore, is a company of believers like you and I who pray not only individually, but we come together corporately as a church. So, and we've been shut in for a while. I love you. But the next time the pastor calls a prayer meeting, don't stay home. Don't take the attitude, I could pray at home. No. Come to the house of God. When the pastor calls prayer, when we're able to do so, you should be running to the house of God uh, as a family. Let's come together as a church. Uh, we should pray not only individually, but corporately as a church. We all have to do our part. Uh, God helping us to make sure that GRTDC or whatever church you belong to becomes a praying church, a praying church, a praying church. Pray always. Men ought always to pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray and not faint. Uh, God's moving upon the entire congregation. Hallelujah is what I'm praying for. This is what I'm praying for. And I hope you'll join me in this kind of prayer. I'm praying that God would move on the entire congregation with a renewed filling. Hallelujah fill us all over again. Those who don't have the Holy Ghost, fill them. And those of us that already have it, fill us all over again. And I'll see the results. According to scripture, I'll see boldness. People will be witnessing more. People will be testifying more. Hallelujah. I'll see more love. We'll see more love in the church. Hallelujah. Because we are becoming a praying church. You can't pray to God and not start acting like him and becoming him. You can't spend time with God and not start looking like him. That's what that means when it says great grace, much grace. This grace that we're talking about here is Christ likeness. And there was much Christ likeness. That means the church was acting like Jesus. What did Jesus do? He prayed for people and they were healed. They were delivered. Demons were cast out. What did Jesus do? He made sure everybody that was there was fed. They all had food to eat. Uh, hey, God, I felt that. He took care of the people. Yes, this is what the church is doing. A praying church has power to defeat the enemy, to tear down the strongholds of the enemy. Hallelujah. And there was love. You shall know, they will know you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Hallelujah. So this is what will happen. God answers these prayers. There, there'll be a renewed filling of the Holy Spirit. 
And when that happens, there'll be a new boldness to speak his word, to witness and testify to those who don't know the God that we know. Hallelujah. And that the witness itself will be so powerful that people will follow you to the altar. And when they get here, they'll see love that we have one for another. And there'll be an abundance of grace for everybody. Hallelujah. That's what happens when you have a praying church. My God, I feel this in my spirit and I feel like I couldn't get it out like it was in me. Hallelujah. But I'm going to stop here. And I, I, I want you to continue to touch and agree as a church family. Let's continue to pray to our God. There's so much going on. There is, hallelujah, sickness in the land. There is rioting in the land. Um, and the church, the church must be a praying church. If we're going to make a difference, we must be a praying church. Hallelujah. Yes, I know uh, we, there are actions that we have to take. Yes. The church needs to be more vocal. But what are we going to say? We can't speak out of our flesh. It must be something that God puts in our mouth to say. If we're going to be effective, if we're going to afford change in the lives of the environment that we're in, because as long as we are here, we have to do the work. Then we must be a church that prays. Church that prays. I'm getting ready to pray a prayer for um, you, but if you'd like to make a donation to uh, this ministry, uh, if you were not able to pay your tithes over the weekend or give an offering, you may do so. Uh, Brother Craig will put it on the screen for us uh, and follow those instructions and you can make that donation to us. And those of you who are watching and participating in New York, uh, Refuge Temple Annex, in the Bronx, the Lord bless you. You may use GiveLify. I'm going to pray a prayer. Uh, and I want you to touch and agree with me. If you can, touch the screen. Uh, put your hands up on that screen. If you can, uh, touch that. Uh, make sure your hand is on that smartphone or that TV screen. However, uh, if you can, if you're just listening to me on the telephone, wrap your hand around that phone like you're holding on for dear life. And let's pray. I, I want God uh, to do some wonderful things in the lives of every believer, everyone that is in connection with uh, this lesson today. I want God to do something special for you. Uh, but before I pray that God does something for you, I want to pray for you uh, as far as your desire to please him and to spend time with him. We can't afford to be estranged from him. We can't afford to be negligent in our prayer life. We can no longer afford, hallelujah, to be so happenstance with prayer. Uh, we can't afford to just wait until a Sunday morning to pray. We have to begin to develop a stronger prayer life individually and a stronger prayer life as a church. So this is my prayer, Father, in the name of Jesus. We're touching and agreeing as your people realizing, realizing that there's so much prayer to be done. Prayer is work. Yes, it is. Prayer is work. There's so much to pray for, so many obstacles, so many things that are against us. 
Oh God, and I'm praying, Lord, as your servant, as your manservant, for those who are touching and agreeing with me. Oh God, that you would stir up a desire to pray more, to spend more time with you. Hallelujah, for the pulling down of strongholds, that men and brethren will be restored and renewed and delivered, that bodies would be healed. So when we're able to come together in your house, oh God, that we'll we'll pray with more fervency, touching and agreeing, there'll be no division, no schism. I come against that spirit of division. Call us together, give us that grace for unity, because Christ is not divided. Give us that grace for fellowship. Give us that hasas. Give us that grace that we need that will be more like you. Hallelujah. That will be more effective as a church, a praying church. I pray for every individual, whatever the situation is. Help them to realize forever and know forever that you are the answer. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the way maker. Bless us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we're getting close to that reopening time uh, here at GRTTC. Uh, so I want you to listen for further messages from me uh, concerning our phase one of our reentry here in D.C. And also those of you who are at the Annex in the Bronx, I want you to be mindful of the fact and be alert because I'll be sending word to you also uh, as to when we will be reopening in New York. Hallelujah. So let's pray. We're connected uh, in the Lord. Let's continue to pray as a church. There are great things getting ready to happen. Miracles, signs and wonders because we are a praying church. The Lord bless you. I'm looking forward to seeing you again on next week. Be blessed of the Lord.